This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. like that week lasted a while but we are back we have a victory monday upon us welcome into the finsider radio my name is jake mendel joining me is josh house and josh you know we when you look at this miami dolphins football team there, there's a lot to really digest some of it's going to go down a lot smoother than others but i mean when we look at this new york jets uh miami dolphins game dolphins came away with the 23 victory i think the the first thing we need to talk about here is man i think i think this team is going to go as far as this defense is going to take them 100%. And we know that we're currently the sixth seed in the AFC, uh, you know, if the playoffs ended today. But it's been this defense has been the story of this entire season. Again, I don't think many people outside of the Miami Dolphin fan base and, you know, the, the people covering this team could pick half these players out of a true lineup. If we were playing guess who, you'd have no idea who half these guys are. And it's a complete team effort. We see Xavier Howard. He's out there shadowing wide receivers. Got his seventh interception. Uh, you're absolutely right, though. I don't think it really matters. We can sit here and bicker about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua Tungvaloa. At the end of the day, this defense is what's going to get this team, you know, to that peak and to that point in which we want this team to be competing, you know, consistently in the playoffs. And it's awesome to see in, uh, you know, year two of a Brian Flores rebuild. Yeah, that's certainly the case, and we we can say that you know this this team has uh, improvement. That's for sure. And it, it was strange watching this Jets game because I was actually tr- 
getting close to like pulling my hair out watching Frank Gore move the ball down the field. He finished with 18 carries for 74 yards, uh, three receptions for 12 yards. And when I say that out loud, I mean, it felt like the or the Jets were really gashing that Dolphins defense. But to truly kind of put it into the big picture perspective, uh, you, you kind of look at this as a scenario where like you're out on the basketball court and, and you see uh, your significant other's uh, X out there and you're like I gotta do everything I can to show them up because that's what this Brian Flores versus Adam Gates uh, I don't even want to call it a battle has been like because you look at the two games this year the Jets have scored three points against this Brian Flores defense and it's just kind of uh, fun to see the Dolphins back in that spot in the division where hey the Jets are the laughing stock you know last year was a little different with the Dolphins but granted even then they went one and one last year but Josh what have you really seen out of this Brian Flores difference defense this year that that maybe makes them stick out to what the Dolphins couldn't accomplish on the defensive end in years past yeah and I mean as cliche it is to say it has to be the secondary right I mean you got Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and yes you'd like to see Byron Jones play much better than what we've seen at times because you know he's missing some plays against some wide receivers that you would hope he could completely erase but it starts with that we saw Nick Needham get a pick I mean I think it starts with the secondary when you have those guys there and we talked about it all season long when they can buckle down and, and you know clamp down on those wide receivers that allows those guys up front those guys that you might not see on paper or, or see that as those superstar players you know their names and lights a Zach Sealer I mean again I don't think many fans outside of this this fan base could truly just pick out and decipher who these guys are, and they're allowing them to get up front to get to the quarterback. We continue to hear that they didn't need that speed rusher. They didn't need a Jadavian Clowney. They didn't need some of those, you know, top-end speed rushers that were in the draft. They're getting production out of Emmanuel Ogba. They're getting out of Shaq Lawson. They're getting out of all of those guys up front. It's a complete team effort, and I think it has to start in the secondary. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo a 20-3 20 victory, but, I mean, if there's one gripe about this uh, Dolphins defense, it's consistency up front. I mean, we've gone two two straight weeks now. How dare we without Emmanuel Ogba getting a sack? But, I mean, he was the guy early in the season, having seven sacks through seven games, whatever it may be. And and that's, I guess, the biggest issue the, the Dolphins have is front seven can be a little inconsistent at times. Obviously not to the point where it's going to hurt them, you know, the, the big breakaway plays that really change a game. And, you know, you mentioned the secondary. They've gone 17 straight games with a turnover now. Uh, they had two yesterday, one with Nick Needham having an interception, and, and of course, Xavier Howard, you can't go a game without him. Uh, if not having an interception, getting his hand on a couple balls. And following the game, Needham had a, a really interesting quote that I, I really think you know kind of puts into perspective uh, the type of mindsets needed to really take that next step uh, in terms of a football team going from a good to a great defense. And, and Needham said that X, you know, Xavier Howard, is, is so inspiring, the way he gets he always gets his hands on the ball. He should really have like 12 interceptions. We just try to keep up and make as many plays as that, man. He pushes me every day, definitely. He's a great player. And, you know, you're all of a sudden not going out with that attitude of, hey, I just I, I need to try to shut my guys down. I can't get beat deep. All of a sudden, this is the mindset of these guys are going to come out and, and they're going to look for the blood in the water. These are is a group that's going to try to get those interceptions because – Xavier's doing an incredible job at pushing this entire group. Obviously, we see the trend with Byron Jones where uh, he doesn't catch many interceptions while he has none on the season. But what he makes up for that, he, he's deflecting balls. But you think he kind of wants to get in that game too. But but genuinely speaking, to go back to my main point here, is this secondary with, with, with Needham there in his second year looking hungry. I mean, this is a group that really pushes each other to be that guy who gets to go celebrate the interception. 
Absolutely, and shame on me and, and, you know, both of us. We're not even mentioning Brandon Jones. I mean, I'm looking over the Dolphins roster. I mean, we could say we can name off Andrew Van Ginkle, Covenant. We can name off every player on this roster because it is a total team effort, you know. When Christian Wilkins was out, Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer stepped up. It's been that next-man mentality. That's the Brian Flores coach way, and, you know, it's so cliche. You know, they draft these prospects that are so versatile, and you know, in every aspect, whether it's secondary, whether it's the offensive line, defensive line, and it makes so much sense because you got these players that can do a bunch of different roles, and you're seeing it. It's a next-man-up mentality. These guys are playing for one another, and uh, I think you said it best at the top of the show. It's going to – it really is up to the Dolphins' defense on how far this team goes in 2020. Yeah, and Brandon Jones early in the season, you know, you see, you saw him in in that stat box as someone who could get, you know, six or seven tackles. But they were kind of in the sense of uh, what Jerome Baker does, so so he doesn't get that much attention. And what Jerome Baker provides this offense and or defense, excuse me. And on the day he had, he had five tackles, he had half a sack, half a tackle, lost two quarterback hits. But I mean, he just stops big plays from or, or plays turning into big plays. You know, a five-yard gain. He makes sure it doesn't turn into a nine, a ten-yard game, or potentially a first down. And that's kind of what we saw from Brandon Jones early in the season. As one of those guys, he's going to make the tackles. He he doesn't allow receivers to get a lot of separation. But now they're using that speed in different ways. You know, that's how you kind of hope this defense is going to kind of develop. You mentioned guys being able to play in different ways. What we saw this week from uh, Brandon Jones, the third round pick was that he was using his speed to chase the quarterback he had a sack early in the game uh he had another rundown uh tackle on a guy going towards the sideline I, I can't completely remember the play but we're seeing some exciting development from this third rounder who's gotten an opportunity to really impose his will as a run stopper because that's where the Miami Dolphins have certainly needed help um Landon Roberts it was good to see him yeah. make a huge stop Holy on fourth crap. and one you know, they, they, but to go back to the point where I said, you know, it seems like guys disappear at sometimes. I mean, it seemed like it was we've gone two weeks without hearing a Landon Roberts name. He's someone that's always banged up, and and obviously he does make plays. But that's the little inconsistencies I see out of this team. But for the sake of holding an Adam Gates offense to three points, there's no better feeling. And I have to admit, I was panicking a little bit when uh, the Jets scored on their opening drive and, and we're up three nothing early in this game. Yeah, it's hard not to as being a Dolphins fan. You see Adam Gates you know punchable face and you just now they're up three points and you're like is this going to be the same old Dolphins uh we'll talk about the offensive struggles but before we get into that let's talk about the breaking news that we found out you know I think it was about an hour ago if not the Dolphins have now been flexed into prime time on uh December 26th they are the 8 p.m game what are your thoughts on that they're playing the Las Vegas Raiders we know that is going to have huge playoff implications uh you know it's just weird to know that the Dolphins are getting flexed into prime time you know the day after Christmas I mean what world are we living in right now that, that's very exciting. I mean, you have to admit, 8.30, there's two other games that got switched to Saturday, and for the Dolphins to be front and center, that's, that's let's hope they're playing for something. I think that's kind of what it boils down to. Uh, this was this was a big win. I think there's a little bit of fear around it. I mean, not in the sense that we were thinking the Jets were going to win, but, you know, it's one of those games. Is this going to be the one the Jets get because it's so hard to lose 16 games, you know, a division rival at home, yada, yada type of thing. So the fact the Dolphins were able to kind of get back on track here is is a nice nod towards getting that Sunday night game. Uh, two games before that matchup with the Raiders, and that is uh, the Bengals at home next week and then the Chiefs at home next week. Josh, we got to go one and one, look at that game eight and five. If we could somehow be nine and four, but... After the Raiders laid an absolute egg against the Falcons yesterday, I mean, a lot of people were chalking that up as a hard game, but if you want to be, like, viewed as a playoff contender, that Raiders game, kind of like the Cardinals game was for the Dolphins, those are the games you kind of 
pull yourself up above the teams, other like mediocre trending in the right direction teams. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And at one thing we know about a Brian Flores coach team, and they continue to say it, they won't even say the P word. They won't even talk playoffs. So they're going to continue to take it one week at a time. We know they play Brandon Allen and the Cincinnati Bengals next week. You said that massive game against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But let's hope. Let's hope week 16, the Dolphins are right there front and center, and they're playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and part of that push towards the playoffs is going to have a lot to do with this offense playing much better. And before we get into that, let's uh, take some time to hear a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You know, Josh, we both agree that the defense, I think, is the key to making the playoffs. But if the Dolphins maybe want to be even a little more frisky, you know, let's not fly too close to the sun. But let's say if the Dolphins want to have a chance that maybe, you know, get that first elusive playoff win since 2000. I mean, this offense is going to have to show something. And despite putting up 20 points, a 10-point second quarter that really helped the Dolphins stretch the game away, uh, the Jets, the worst team in the second quarter in terms of point differential. Um, this offense, I mean, Josh, I'm not going to say it looked good. I mean, yes, you put up 20 points on the road, and you're going to take that every single week. But, man, it just it looked uncomfortable. It looked like it looked like this offense was still trying to figure itself out, and I don't know if that's a good thing, um, you know, 11 games into the season. Absolutely not, especially when you think about Ryan Fitzpatrick being the starting quarterback and this being an offense that he was so, you know, efficient at previously in his career. I mean, you would have expected this offense to go out there and put up pretty big numbers because, like you said in the last podcast, this is, what, the 31st-ranked secondary? I mean, the Dolphins continue to sit there and say, you know, each week it's going to be a different way of them attacking a defense. A lot of fans sit here and they see Ryan Fitzpatrick through, what, 39 times. They're like, okay, well, why isn't Tua getting that game plan? If Tua played the Jets, he probably would have been out there asked to throw the football that many times. But uh, to, to your point, I mean, you expect to see a lot more, and this team is not going to be able to go out there and score 20 points in the playoffs and win games. And, you know, I think that's where you can see a difference in the quarterback, and we can sit here, and we're eventually going to talk about that because that is the elephant in the room. And, you know, why Let's not? Let's get into that now. Yeah, how, I was going to say, why not just jump into that? Because Brian Flores said yesterday that, you know, he's kind of sick and tired of saying it. He, this is Tua Tungavailoa's team, and if he's healthy, which it sounded like he could have almost went in this game, Brian Flores said, said after um, this game against the Jets. It, it sounds like if two is healthy, this is his team. And I think that just needs to put to rest any talk because uh, we see it on Twitter. We see it on social media. It's going to be this back and forth thing until the end of the year, you know, until maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick moves on. It's going to be this continuous thing about should Tua be in there or is Ryan Fitzpatrick more efficient now? I think, you know, we saw this offense didn't look much better. And that's from a 17-year vet, uh, a guy who's been in this offense before. And I absolutely think that's a little bit concerning. And it kind of goes full circle in a sense. I mean, I think this was the game the first time around that kind of sealed Fitzpatrick's fate. You know, at home against the Jets, they quote-unquote only. I mean, they scored 24 points. We felt like they left a lot of points on the board there. And then the next week, Tua comes out as a starter. And I just got to say, man, I mean, I'm just going to trust whatever Flores decides to do here. I think that the fact we're arguing, you know, confidence, uh, uh, you know, caution over safety, development. I mean, I, I don't think it's really a argument with any backbone to it. I mean... What we saw last week against Denver was 
for is take a shot, switch it up a little bit, and it almost worked. You know, you came away from a, a, a play away, excuse me, from tying that game. This week, you know, you see Fitzpatrick in the offense, you know, it stalled at times. And I guess I'd rather them stall with Tua under center. Under center. You can look at the, there was some struggles, absolutely, from this offense. Fitzpatrick was sacked four times. Um, we could argue, I think, for a couple of those, even some of the 10 hits he took on the day, he doesn't do a good job of getting rid of the ball. I, I think that's apparent. I don't think he does any better of a job at doing that than Tua does. And then we had the two fumbles, man. The running back room is is really starting to look bleak. We had both Matt Breida and Patrick Laird uh, fumbling away footballs. That, as a result, you know, the two teams tied in the turnover battle on the day, which I don't think that should have been the case. Um, DeAndre Washington looked a little solid, uh, 13th for 49, but I'm straying a little far away from the path here. Um, I mean, it was nice to see Devontae Parker get unlocked, quote-unquote, a little bit with Fitzpatrick there. But, I mean, you really see what's important here, and that's that, that's having someone who can make the reads quick and just keep the chains moving because this team doesn't have those explosive threats. And with that in mind, Tua is the guy you want under center. 100%. And let's not forget, I mean, you kind of alluded to it. The, the offensive line allowed four sacks. This is a team game. You know, if you're not running the football effectively, if those receivers aren't creating separation, you know, maybe it doesn't matter who's in there. To your point, I mean, why not go in there and have this offense? Uh, again, two was hurt and to the, you know, obviously wasn't going to play in this game. But moving forward, why would you not have two out there? This is his team moving forward. And you hope he goes out there. And, you know, to, to, to Ryan Fitzpatrick's credit, he did go out there and he threw some nice 50-50 balls to Devontae Parker. He was throwing nice passes to Mike Jasicki, and that's what you want to see from Tua. Tua admits he doesn't see things the same way Ryan Fitzpatrick does, and, and who can blame him? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. You know, he's been in the NFL for 17 years, played for every team. I mean, Tua Tungvaluwa is eventually going to get to that, and at some point, you know, it has to be about him getting those reps in practice with Devontae Parker. He doesn't have that same rapport with him and Mike Jasicki. Once he gets that, once he realizes that when those guys are in single coverage, throw the ball up. Just Preston Williams, just the same way we did see a little bit with Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker had a massive game, and uh, again, this offense has to continue to play better. I liked what we saw to DeAndre Washington. I mean, he you mentioned 49 yards on the ground, but how many of those carries came late in the game when everyone in the world knew they were running the football? I mean, he looked effective. You'd like to see more of that moving forward, but uh, as a total team effort, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback, whether it's Tua Tungvaluwa, this offense has to do better, and they have to find ways to get some of their playmakers in space. Yeah, uh, I, I want to hit on here the way the offense kind of moves. We, we said in our pregame show is, is we wanted to see more out of the tight ends. And you see the different things in terms of vision from both Fitzpatrick compared to Tua. Uh, Jacecki targeted five times. Granted, he only caught two. One of them came for a pretty nice touchdown. Um, Devontae, man, uh, he deserves a, a medal or something. This, this dude works. He puts in the effort. I mean, nothing comes easy his way. Um, eight receptions on 14 targets. But then you got Durham Smythe caught all three of his targets. Adam Shaheen caught one of his two targets, but it came down for a touchdown catch. The tight ends become more involved uh, when Fitzpatrick's under center compared to when it's Tua. He likes to go out, spread the ball out a little wider where you see Mac Hollins kind of get a little more involved. Malcolm Perry only had one target on the day. Jakeem Grant, two targets, two receptions on the day. So you kind of see how the diff the different pieces are used depending on who is under center. And and the end goal here is really to make them both work. You brought up DeAndre Washington. And, man, you know, I don't want to hop around to all the different running backs here, but I think he made the best move of any Miami Dolphins running back this year. Um, early in the game, he caught a screen pass and, and juke the defensive lineman right out of his shoes. What was that? Broke that guy's ankles. 
Yeah, and it's like where that shouldn't be that hard to do. And I'm not saying like every play you gotta like juke around some guy and get on Sports Center. But I mean the fact that it's Week 12 and that's the first time I said, you know, damn, a, a running back really made someone miss. It really made something out of nothing. That that's a little bit concerning because these guys, you um, when, when Brita and Laird both uh, fumbled, they did not return to the game. Brita finished with eight carries for 36 yards, along of 12. Patrick Laird had one carry for nine yards before fumbling the ball away. But, I mean, man, like, we want to see Tua out there. We want to see this offense move. And this is the first time in, uh, you know, a while where I, I, I'm concerned that this team just doesn't know how to get a proper running back into out of the field and, and use them successfully. It does make you appreciate Miles Gaskin and even uh, Savinov met a little bit yeah. more because, you know, you just feel like it would have been a little different if they were out there. But, again, we're looking at their numbers, and I think as a team they rushed for over 100 yards. Uh, looks like they had 24 total carries for 104 yards. Obviously, that includes Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, I mean, you're running the ball for 100-plus yards in a game. I mean, is any offensive coordinator going to be mad about that, especially, you know, Chan Gailey and, and his offensive philosophies that we've seen? Um, I think just to put an end, at least from my perspective on all this, I think we both agree Tua Tungvaluwa is the better, you know, better quarterback moving forward for this team and just, you know, as a starter. But, uh, you know, you almost have to just – be thankful for what you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick and to have a guy that, you know, has been with all these teams, has been around and, you know, can sit there and not only mentor to a ton of Iloa, but one banged up thumb injury that, again, Brian Flores said he probably could have went out there and played. You can throw Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, and again, he's going to go out there and do what he can and, and you know, put this and go out there and make plays and, and, and win games. And I think we all should be thankful that we have that luxury opposed to some of these other teams in the NFL who don't have a Ryan Fitzpatrick for their young quarterback. It's worth noting Antonio Callaway had a catch on the day. Um, it's It looked like he really still struggled trying to get his head around the, the playbook, and he was being told where to go quite a bit, which is understandable. Uh, the issue with the is you're not allowed like uh, at the facility or anything, so it's really hard to kind of climb that learning curve so fast. Lynn Bowden, he had one target go his way. It, it looked like he was completely off the page, too, in terms of the, the direction of play calling. And Josh... Let's wrap up this uh, little segment about the offense with this. I mean, let's talk about Chan Gailey because for, you know, I think the last couple of weeks, I, I can I can honestly say I've seen the vision of the F offense. You know, I'm not wondering why are they calling this, you know, just, just for the sake of calling it. I, I do see the end product, the end idea of what they're trying to do here. But, I mean, I'm not sure when this offense hits the ceiling of the, you know, the quote-unquote Chan Gailey offense. I'm not sure that's what I'd want. So where do you see after the season – Say the Dolphins' offense still, you know, is around the 20 to 24 points a game, uh, Mark, which I think that's going to be the case just with all things considered. I mean, if they break out, I mean, I'm not going to be one to complain. But where do you see the Dolphins going in terms of Chan Kaley as the offensive coordinator after the season? I think that's a million-dollar question right now. And I think, you know, a lot of us kind of had our – you know, we're a little bit reserved when we heard about that Chan Gailey hiring. We wondered what this offense would look like. We wondered if, you know, a 60-plus-year-old offense coordinator was the right thing for our young quarterback. Uh, you're right. You're kind of starting to see it all come together, but I, I don't know where he's going to go after this season. I don't know. Could he move into that, you know, that kind of specialist role and they could mm -hmm. bring in a young guy? I just don't know that they would take – uh, the the guy who is kind of mentored and build your your rookie quarterback in year one and then immediately move on from him just because you know um, 
from our perspective, they're not moving the ball effectively. And I think, you know, I still don't know that we've completely saw what Chan Gailey's offense is going to truly look like once they mm-hmm. implement all those RPOs and things like that. But, you know, long term, I don't think Chan Gailey's the answer. I don't think any of us actually believed he was the answer at the time. And again, I think we we're all a little bit disappointed at the hiring. You want to see more out of this offense. Um, I think it'll come together. And again, I, uh, I can't say it enough. I don't know that we completely have seen, uh, you know, what Chan Gailey or what a Tua Tonga offense in Miami is going to look like until, you know, maybe next year or beyond. Right. And, and that that's kind of like the, the interesting, you know, you said a million dollar question is obviously I think the offense would look better in terms of, um, I, I guess, success with, uh, you know, a, a high pick at a running back, a high pick at another lineman, a high pick uh, at a receiver. You sign an Allen Robinson, which again is still at the top of my list of things to do. Um, but, you know, I, I also look at last year when the Dolphins swept away their offensive and defensive coordinator, both of them at the end of last year. So that's something I kind of will keep in mind, too, that that I think the offense was arguably better last year than it was this year. Um, overall, I, yes, I get a rookie quarterback. You're going to have a few more hiccups. So I, I wonder what Flores' thought process is going to be. I'd like the idea of kind of promoting Gailey. I don't know, to that uh, senior advisor role, something like that. I, Jim Caldwell was... Uh, Reggie McKenzie, another one in the same boat. I think that might be the proper next step because it, it is a little relieving, too, that see that Brian Flores is willing to go outside of his circles. So I, I wouldn't mind some spicy off, or, you know, quarterbacks coach, wide receiver coach coming in and, and taking over the reins to the foundation of a Chan Gailey offense. I, I think that'd be a little flashy and a little fun. And, you know, I think you made a great point. I think the biggest thing we have to remember is that Brian Flores is still a young and experienced head coach in what we saw with Jim Caldwell, what we see now with Chan Gailey. He continues to bring in that veteran presence to have to lean on and to rely on who's been there before, who's been a head coach in the NFL, who's been through these ups and downs. I think he does rely on those uh, veteran play callers. So I don't know if they'll move on from Chan Gailey after this year. Again, I think, you know, he's definitely absolutely not the long-term answer here in Miami. I couldn't even begin to tell you who they would eventually fill that role with. Could it be Steve Sarkeesian, the offense coordinator at Alabama? I mean, that would be the perfect fit here. Um, you know, list goes on and on, but we'll see. It's obviously not going to be Chan Gailey long-term, but I do think Brian Flores does rely heavily on those veteran head coaches. You know, it's something that a young and experienced head coach could use, and I think we're seeing it pay dividends. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Dolphins 7-4, and 4-2 four, four record on the road is actually very, very impressive. That means they're 3-2 at home, three straight game, home games on the horizon, starting with a very winnable matchup with the Cincinnati Bagels. Uh, Josh, I, I love doing these shows on Monday when I can kind of just sit around all morning and, and take in whatever anyone else is saying and know it's going to be something good. Uh, even though, you know, we, we wish the Dolphins would have done a lot more damage against his Jets, but a win is a win is a win. Xavier Howard, another interception, keeps doing what he does. Fitzpatrick with two touchdowns, both the tight ends. And if you are enjoying what you're listening to, be sure, smash that subscribe button, leave a review, because, you know, maybe we'll try to do these things more often. It's time to announce the winner of our Solomon Kinley jersey giveaway. See, we didn't even mention him during the show, Josh. We dropped the ball. He was out with a injury. I Cheers. In or out, I mean, it'd be great to see him back in there. This offensive line really needs a boost. So we have our list here for the giveaway. Let me just start recording my screen in case we get any type of disputes here so I can throw it against the wall. Oh, All right, so here we go. Thank you, guys, everyone who took the time to Thank come you. in and subscribe. Basically, what's going to happen, I have a random generator here from numbers 1 to 32. Sorry, cut that. Um, I have a random generator here with the amount of people who 
came in and decided to be kind enough to leave a review. So here we go. I'm going to start it. I'm going to go. And we're going to go here. It was number 18, John at Long Bar John. Long Bar John. Thank you so much, everyone, who jumped into this giveaway. And please thank you, everyone, who participated in this giveaway. John, you will be getting one of either Josh or I sliding into your DM soon, figuring out where we should send our Solomon Kinley jersey to. Thank you guys so much for partaking in this. Be sure to leave a review if you haven't. We're going to be doing more giveaways like this. We're actually going to keep this list. Uh, for the sake of you not having to do it two times in a row, because I know how frustrating that could be. Uh, congratulations, John, again on your Solomon Kinley jersey. And Josh, congratulations, man. We're back on our Victory Mondays. Hopefully we can get another streak going before we uh, prepare for a new game under the spotlights when they get ready for the Oakland uh, Los Angeles Raiders in a couple weeks. That should be a real fun one in prime time. Can't wait. Maybe they can uh, flex and we can see some of our throwbacks. But again, thank you to everyone that subscribed, reviewed, uh, reached out to us on Twitter. John, enjoy your Solomon Kinley jersey. We will absolutely be crawling in your DMs. And most importantly, guys, Dolphins 7-4, and four, second place in the AFC East. We are now the sixth seed. If the playoffs ended today, we'd be taking on Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. So these next few weeks are going to be awesome. Enjoy it because you just don't know, you know, when this season could just be put on halt or, you know, what could potentially happen. So enjoy every day like it's week 17 and the Dolphins are in the hump, baby. Oh, no, dude, we're, we're, we're locked in the playoffs, man. We got the sixth spot. I will be the first one to let you know when we're in the hunt. But we are playoff bound, Josh. Fins up. Fins up, baby. Let Tua cook. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami.